Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Almighty God, open our minds and guide our hearts as we meditate on your word, this word, this morning. Amen. Moving with the Spirit. It's amazing how much we change over the years. We often don't sense how we're changing, and those who live with us hardly notice it either. But when someone moves away and returns after a long time, the changes can seem dramatic. Many times I've reconnected with people after being apart for several years, and it's always interesting to see how both of us have changed. Of course, physical changes are expected, especially when you're younger, but there are also changes in our personal maturity and, and how we cope with life's challenges. The struggles people face give new insights into understandings of their purpose, as do their accomplishments as well. As the poem Des Desiderata from er Max Ehrman stated so eloquently, you are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Usually, we slowly develop as time moves along. But every now and then, we have a dramatic experience that drastically changes us. Something happens that reveals our true nature and our true purpose. And it can create a shift, a tidal shift, in how we approach life. This is what seems to have happened to Jesus just prior to the scene that we read about in our passage this morning. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist at the Jordan River when the Holy Spirit suddenly descended on him like a dove and drove him out into the wilderness. He stayed in the wilderness for 40 days, fasting and being tempted by the devil. And when he had successfully passed, Every, te every test offered by Satan, he returned to Galilee. We aren't given as much information about Jesus' life or his experiences before this time as much as we are after it. But it seems like Jesus <clears throat> reached a new understanding of his purpose and who he was after that experience. It wasn't until after his return from his testing in the wilderness that he started his ministry. Our passage this morning tells us that Jesus was filled with the power of the Spirit and started teaching in the synagogues in and around the region of Galilee. He visited different synagogues in various towns in that region and participated in their worship services. At this time in history, it's thought that there was a relatively common worship pattern in the synagogues that included several predictable elements, such as reciting the Shema uh, together at the beginning of the gathering, which you may remember is the Shema is that Jewish prayer that includes the Old Testament passages declaring that there is only one God, and we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and strength. Later in the gathering, <clears throat> there were readings of Scripture. These readings could be done by any man that was present, and they, that person would be asked to interpret and to teach from those readings as well. Our passage from Luke tells us that Jesus was recognized for his insightful teachings and was praised by everyone in the region. Well, 
except for in his hometown of Nazareth with the people he grew up with. When he came to his hometown of Nazareth, as this morning's passage tells us, he went to the synagogue to read and to teach, as he usually did. <clears throat> when the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, he chose to read certain excerpts of two passages of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, and chapter 58, verse 6. The reading is significant because it offers a preview early in Luke's gospel of the type of ministry that Jesus was about to embark on. First, it starts with a quote from the prophet who explains where this insight has come from. Quote, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Like the prophet, Jesus was inspired by the spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Just as the prophet was inspired to write scripture, Jesus was experiencing the Holy Spirit in a profound way that perhaps clarified who he was, or maybe simply just initiated his ministry. In either case, Scripture repeatedly tells us that Jesus was guided by the Holy Spirit, and that voice that declared, You are my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased, tells us that Jesus was also anointed. Next, the passage explains what, we are, what he was anointed to do. For one thing, he was anointed to bring good news to the poor. The word gospel comes from the Greek word evangelion, which meant good news. And Jesus frequently lifted up the poor in his ministry. So it was quite literally good news for the poor. Jesus' ministry highlighted the plight of the poor people and in the, those that are around him, and the importance of taking care of those in need, whether their needs were material, emotional, or spiritual. In the opening passage of the Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus declares, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Throughout Scripture, we see how Jesus taught that many of those at the edge of society were really the ones at the center of God's heart. Jesus was also anointed to proclaim release to the captives. Interestingly, the Greek word used for release here, aphasis, is used elsewhere in the gospel only to describe forgiveness of sins. This subtle yet profound word choice reminds us how we are entrapped by sin through either habit, guilt, or shame, and how Jesus offers us release from these traps through salvation. Through his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus offers us forgiveness for our sins and thereby releases the, us from the bonds that bring only death so that we can have a full, eternal life with him. The passage tells us that Jesus was anointed to bring about recovery of sight to the blind. Although there are accounts that literally describe how he healed blind people, so that they could see, there are also significant metaphorical implications. Jesus was the light revealed that revealed the glory of God in the world to all people. In the beginning of the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, we read, What has come into the beginning, into being in him, was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not 
overcome it. Jesus brought about recovery of sight to the blind, even to those of us who didn't realize that we were blind. The part of the passage that talks about letting the oppressed go free is the only part, really, that comes from chapter 58 of Isaiah, in verse 6. The full verse says, Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? In this passage from Isaiah, God criticizes those who go through religious rituals and activities in order to get close to God, but fail to live righteously within their community. Jesus includes this passage in his reading to point out that one of his central themes is addressing injustice. His ministry exposed the way people were being mistreated, and he openly confronted those who perpetuated those injustices. And finally, Jesus includes the passage from 61-2 of Isaiah, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. This is thought to be an allusion to the year of the Jubilee, described in Leviticus, chapter 25. In the year of the Jubilee, all property is returned to the original families who owned it, and all people in the community who had sold themselves into slavery were released. This is essentially a social and economic refresh that was supposed to take place every 50 years, where people were given an opportunity to recover from the mistakes and the misfortunes that had broken them down and that had enslaved them. <clears throat> Jesus proclaimed that it was time for those who had fallen into hard times, again, not just economically, but emotionally and spiritually, to be offered a fresh start, a new opportunity. With loving kindness and compassion, Jesus gave new hope to those who needed this fresh start. There are these are the themes that brought forward that were brought forward in Luke's recounting of Jesus's teaching in Nazareth. But it's also helpful to note what Jesus omitted from the Isaiah passages, as well as what he included. In Isaiah chapter sixty-one, verse two. After the proclamation of the year of the Lord's favor, Isaiah goes on to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus, however, does not include this phrase in his reading. He considered himself anointed to bring good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight, freedom from oppression, and the year of the Lord. But he omitted the proclamation of God's vengeance. Rather than punishment and destruction, Jesus was focused on bringing messages of hope, compassion, and renewal, especially to those who needed him the most. After Jesus read these passages, he handed the scroll back to the attendant and sat down. With all eyes fixed upon them, he made this simple statement, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Rather than suggesting people look forward to some time in the future when this prophecy would be fulfilled, he told them that it was being fulfilled now, right now, at this moment. There's no need to wait any longer because he was anointed to make those prophecies a reality. 
Luke goes on to describe a conflict that erupted between Jesus and the Jews of Nazareth after he made this statement. Those who had heard his proclamation started to grumble. Isn't this Joseph's son? As if they were saying, who does this guy think he is? They knew him as a kid and all were aware of the mistakes that he made while he was growing up. They were probably the ones who taught him how to read Hebrew scripture. And now he was claiming to be God's anointed one? Jesus responded, Doubtless you will quote me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. Other gospel accounts of this passage discuss Jesus' inability to perform hardly any miracles in his hometown because of their disbelief. In chapter 6 of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is described as being amazed at their unbelief. He was unable to perform deeds of power except for healing just a few people because they didn't believe he could do it. He had experienced some very significant events in his life, encountering the Holy Spirit in bodily form resting upon himself and then being driven out into the wilderness for 40 days that it quite possibly changed his understanding of who he was and what his purpose was. But the people in his hometown couldn't accept it. They saw that these changes that the Spirit had made in him, but they couldn't move with the Spirit to accept the new gifts that he had to offer. Consequently, he wasn't able to help them very much. This scenario sheds light on an important aspect of the gospel message. We must accept it if we want to receive it. If we want to experience the hope, compassion, and renewal offered by Christ, we must believe that we can truly, that Christ can truly work miracles in our lives. Otherwise, we'll just be stuck in our old ways of living. Receiving the gifts from Christ start with believing. Believing that God can work in your life, that God will work in your life, and that God has worked in your life. We only go about our days doing the things that we think are possible. So we must acknowledge that God can work in our lives if we want to receive any gifts from God. Also, it's important to know that God loves us and wants to be in relationship with us. This is why God will work in our lives. And finally, Jesus teaches in the Gospel of Mark that we must have the faith that God answers our prayers. They may not happen exactly in the way we expect them to, but believing that God has acted in our lives when we seek God's help allows us to live differently with the expectation that our prayers are answered if we don't think God has changed anything, we won't live as though anything has changed, and we probably won't see what's possible. So I urge you to sincerely accept the gospel message of Christ. Have faith that the hope, compassion, and renewal offered by Jesus is possible, and live out your life as though you know this to be true. You can count on it. And as the Spirit moves within each of us, including ourselves, move with the Spirit and accept the work that God is doing among us 
and within us as it guides us to fulfill our own purpose here in this life.